0: I said that we're going to take what I believe is the biggest opportunity that we could have to see the church have the impact, um, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we could ever see happen. In week one, they said the church can and should be open to further instruction from the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you joined us in week one. You're going to remember this white pad of paper. And this is what we said. The challenge with this idea of being uncensored and being a church according to the book of Acts is that we love to censor things, don't we? So the challenge was that we need to leave the red pen of censorship at home. Because oftentimes this is what happens. Oftentimes we step into the situation and perhaps if you're a person of faith, if you've, if you've been introduced to Jesus and and maybe if you've been spending a long time with Jesus or this is the first time, maybe you just found yourself here today, you're looking for something you don't really know. You're like, I don't know why I'm here, but you're looking for something. This is what I would tell you. Oftentimes, this is what occurs is we take our red pen of censorship and we say, well, we actually think that uncensored is a little much. We need to censor what the church should be according." To the book of Acts. In fact, some of us, we, we maybe don't even really understand or we don't even agree with the church. So we need to strike that out. We, we don't even see that. And, and, and we're going to read uncensored version of what the church can and should be in the book of Acts. And where's the book of Acts found? The Holy Bible. And some of us say, well, the Bible's not holy. Those aren't God's words and instructions and promises for us. Those are mild suggestions and things that maybe just read like a fun metaphorical story, but it's definitely not holy, so we're going to censor the Bible. I agree with some parts of what the Bible say, but I don't agree with all the parts of the Bible. I agree with some of what the church can and should be and do, but I don't agree with all of it. So truthfully, I would venture to say that most times... And even in my own life, if I'm having a struggle and attention tension when it comes to my faith, here's what's happening. I am not leaving the word of God uncensored. And what I presented to us week one is I asked this question. Can we begin the series by asking ourselves, am I willing to have an open heart to receive further instruction from the Holy Spirit through the Word of God through Scripture. Am I open? Is my heart open? And that's where we began. And very quickly, I'm going to recap week two because some of us, maybe if you forgot, it was so fun for me to go through these. Week two, week one, we should be open to receiving further instruction from the Holy Spirit. In a week two, the church can and should be a vehicle to carry the continued advancing message of Jesus. And what was his message? Jesus came and in Acts 1 one, it says that he was speaking to his followers about the kingdom of God. So we should be the vehicle to continue to carry this message about the kingdom of God. Week three, the church canon should be empowered by the Holy Spirit as the vehicle advancing Jesus' mission. In week four, the church canon should live in fierce togetherness or passion. We talked about this idea of being with, of one accord. That there's this, this word passion actually means to be slightly angry. It's disturbed. And, and what this means is it said in the early church, in Acts 2 specifically, that all of the followers were together, they were of one accord. It means they were, they were all mildly agitated with a sense that they weren't going to leave without the promise that God had given them. They were about one thing, they were passionate, they were impassioned about walking out what they had been commanded to do. And Jesus had commanded them to wait for the thing that he had promised them. For this person of God he had promised them called the Holy Spirit. So the church, week five, can and should have a voice releasing an anointed and urgent sound. Week six, the church can and should have a countercultural message delivered by countercultural messengers. I loved this message. Pastor Lindsay and our youth team took over that Sunday. And delivered what I think was a formative message in the middle of this series. Right after that, we said the church canon should be devoted. In week eight, the church canon should be generous. Week nine, the church canon should partner with transformation by being a church of transformed people. Here's the deal. When we come into the church, the goal is that you would leave having an encounter with Jesus. And when you and I have encounters with Jesus, the personhood of God, when we have an encounter with what he did for us in our life, it changes us, it transforms. The word transform means the other. And what that simply means is, is that we should be a church made up of people that understand that who we believe we may be today may not be what God designed us to be. And when we meet Jesus, we step into a life to say, God, this is your original design for me, and I want to walk in that. Now, as transformed people, the next week we talked about how the church can and should partner in the transformation of others. And last week, we said the church can and should be multi-generational. I loved this idea of us living in a multi-generational, diverse Uh, Family atmosphere. And today we're going to talk about how the church can and should finish well. The church can and should finish well. And I want to present to you that perhaps finishing well, what it really depends on is how well we do the previous things mentioned in the weeks before this week. How consistently we can walk those out. The church can, as we look at today, the church can and should finish well. We started with having an open heart. Today, I'm going to end with saying we should have an open door. In fact, I would tell you that we can finish well if we have an open door policy to the Holy Spirit. It's where we began in the book of Acts, and it's where we're going to find that this guy Paul ends. We're going to jump into this passage in the end of the book of Acts in chapter 28. Now, this series wasn't a series on the book of Acts. It was about the church in the book of Acts. So we didn't read through every verse and every chapter. And I would highly encourage you read through the book of Acts. It's such a fascinating book because what we see in it is we see the central piece of what we see in the book of Acts. Believe it or not, is the revelation of who Jesus is. We see see people, I made this statement, ordinary people doing extraordinary things through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I said week one. That our goal is that we would be ordinary people doing extraordinary things through the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the most powerful things that I find in the book of Acts when I read it is that Although we see lots of different things happening, people being raised from the dead and healing and, and these, all these miracles that are taking place and people being saved from prisons and shipwrecked and um, you know, Saul getting knocked on his butt off of his horse and being made blind and all these stories that you read, these historical accounts. And in it all, there's one thing that is being highlighted, Jesus it all is for the purpose of revealing Jesus to the person. And the writer of this book, Acts, his name is Luke. He was a physician. And he was, he was very specific about how he chose his words. And so what he ended up doing is he ended up writing about Jesus being the center. It's, it's really the acts of the Holy Spirit in ordinary people. And, and the message of Jesus being delivered. And then he introduces this guy Peter and Peter was the first in the book of Acts and he said, Peter, just like Jesus, he's doing these things. He's preaching the kingdom of God and he's delivering this message about Jesus. And then he picks up and he shows this guy, Paul, who was once named Saul. And we've been talking about him the last couple of weeks. You can go on our YouTube channel and find those messages, those sermons from the last couple weeks. And it catches us up to where we're at, Paul. And here he is at the very end of the book of Acts, and this guy has seen everything. He's heard the voice of Jesus speak to him and ask him why he's persecuting him. He's seen people healed. He's he's been jailed. He's been released from jail miraculously. He's been shipwrecked. He's been arrested. This guy has seen everything. And here he sits at the very end of this historical account from the writer Luke. And Luke says this about Paul. He's been brought to this place in Rome, and he has some disagreements that he's trying to reconcile, specifically with some of the Jewish leaders. The Jewish leaders are trying to figure out, like, where does this guy sit? What's going on? And they're hearing the stories of Jesus, and they end up meeting with Paul, and he's appealing to them. And this is where we pick up and I'm going to read in the translation uh, that I'm using today. It's the message translation because it reads kind of like a story. And so I'm going to read through this account very quickly. It says, three days later, Paul called the Jewish leaders together for a meeting at his house. Now, I just want, I just want you to know something. It's very strange when you have a disagreement with a group of people, not just a person, with a group. Imagine if you had a disagreement with an entire group of people. Who were, who were working against you, is your first inclination to send out an Evite to have them come over for a barbecue at your house? Now Paul's like, you know what? Why don't you guys just come over? We're going to talk this out. Today, we, 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 we turn into like, you know, keyboard ninjas and get on social media and we're going to argue it out behind a screen, and I love Paul just brings it back to the very beginning, and he says, can we just break bread together? Can I invite you? Can I make myself vulnerable and invite you into my space so that we can have some dialogue? Because the story of Jesus in your life matters more than my comfort. He's showing us something so powerful that I think we could We could take some really good notes from in society today. And he said, The Jews in Jerusalem arrested me on trumped-up charges, and I was taken into custody by the Romans. And I assure you that I did absolutely nothing against Jewish laws or Jewish customs. And after the Romans investigated the charges charges and found there was nothing to them, they wanted to set me free. But the Jews objected so fiercely that I was forced to appeal to Caesar. I did this not to accuse them of any wrongdoing or to get our people in trouble with Rome. We've had enough trouble through the years that way. I did it for Israel. I asked you to come and listen to me today to make it clear that I'm on Israel's side, not against her. I'm a hostage here for hope, not for doom. Now, why was Paul able to say this? He's a hostage here for hope. Why? Because he wasn't placing his hope in the political structures of the Roman Empire. He wasn't placing his hope in the political structures of Judaism, in the religious structures of Judaism. He was placing his hope in one thing and one thing alone, and that was Jesus Christ. So in the midst of shipwrecks and arrests, and now he's spending time and having to appeal to his other Jewish brothers that, hey, there's nothing that really came up when everyone looked into the charges against me, but I still am being persecuted and and I don't want to make trouble. I'm here for your hope, not for your doom. What's he saying? I'm here to deliver the message of Jesus Christ who I only find hope in. And maybe too often today, what we do is we try to find and place all of our hope in religious structures political structures. God, I really hope the right party is in power for the next four years. I really hope that the right person is in charge of this organ. I hope really hope... And we're placing our hope in things that I want to tell you will fail you. If your hope is in structures and in anything that our human hands can, can really build... Can I tell you, there's going to be failing points. Even in the church, we're going to make mistakes. So we have to make sure that our focus and our hope is placed in one thing and one thing alone. And that's Jesus Christ. Verse 21, it says, They said, nobody wrote warning us about you. And no one has shown up saying anything bad about you. But we would like very much to hear more from you. The only thing we do know about Christians, check this out. The only thing we do know about Christian, in fact they say this Christian sect, is that nobody seems to have anything to say about it. I would like to present to you today that this notion that the church today, that the world today is dealing with things that are totally different and outside of the realms of what was dealt with in the context of when Scripture was written, I want to present to you that that's a false narrative. Almost everything that we deal with today in society was present when this was written. And you can find evidence of this in Scripture, and you can find evidence of what God said about those tensions in Scripture. And one of the things that's the same today as it was then is that maybe today... The church struggles with finding people to say something good about it. But my job isn't to make sure that people say something good about the church. My job is to make sure that I'm presenting the goodness of the kingdom of God and I'm giving a presentation of who Jesus is as my Messiah and my Savior and how he changed my life. How I went from this person to the other person. I went from the person who was dead spiritually to the person who is now alive spiritually. And Paul, his response... Is so great. It says that they all agreed on a time that they should arrive. And when the day arrived, what does Paul do? They came back to his home with a number of their friends. So it's like there's a group of people. They just don't come. They come with more people. So a group came with more of a group. And Paul talked to them, listen to what he said, listen to what he did, he talked to them all day from morning to evening, explaining everything involved in the kingdom of God, trying to persuade them all about Jesus by pointing out what Moses and the prophets had written about him. So he's appealing to them with relevance, he's saying to them, all of you Jews, fellow brothers, you understand one thing really, really well, you understand the Torah, what we call Primarily the Old Testament in the Bible. You understand all of these letters really, really well. You pass it down from generation to generation. You repeat it in the morning. You repeat it midday. You repeat it at night. You teach it to your children. You write it on doorposts. You literally strap it to yourselves with leather bands. This is, this is what they would do with Scripture. And he's appealing to them, showing them how Jesus is shown in the Old Testament, in the prophets, how Jesus is shown, how it's, it's a prophetic word. It's a foretelling of what Jesus was going to come and do. You know, the entirety of Scripture reveals Jesus. The point of Scripture is to reveal Jesus to you and I. And Jesus comes and his whole point was to reveal the Father To us, and Paul's appealing to them. He's saying, "Guys, you you like look at what was written. You understand this. And some of them, it said, some of them were persuaded by what he said, but others refused to believe a word of it. That sounds like it's par for the course. Some people are going to believe, some people aren't. When the unbelievers got Cantankerous, that's such a funny word." Can you just real quickly say cantankerous? Have any, have any of you ever used that word before? Never. <laughs> have any of you, is it, how many of you, that's the first time you ever heard that word? Yeah, okay, cool. I'd heard it, I just never used it, because I was like, that's an odd word. When they got cantankerous, and they started bickering, they got a little bit agitated, and they started bickering with each other, Paul interrupted, and listened to what Paul says. I have just one more thing to say to you. The Holy Spirit sure knew what he was talking about. When he addressed our ancestors through Isaiah the prophet. And this is what Isaiah the prophet was told to say by the voice of God. Go to this people and tell them this. You're going to listen with your ears, but you won't hear a word. You're going to stare with your eyes, but you won't see a thing. These people are blockheads. Wow, the, it said blockheads in the Bible. It's so cool. These people are knuckleheads. They stick their finger in their ears so they won't have to listen. They screw their eyes shut so they don't have to look. So they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. And Paul says, you've had your chance. The non-Jewish outsiders are next on the list. That's all the Gentiles. It's everyone outside of Judaism. That's you, that's me, that's everyone for the rest of eternity. And believe me, they're going to receive it with open arms. And Paul lived for two years in a rented house. He welcomed everyone who came to visit. He urgently presented all the matters of the kingdom of God. He explained everything about Jesus Christ. His, listen to this, his door was always open. Today, we're going to talk about an open door policy. See, for us to finish well as a church, we have to have an open-door policy with the Holy Spirit. It's where we began in the series, and it's where we end. It's our willingness to not censor. It's our willingness to take God's word at face value, and when we read it, he says what he means, and he means what he says, and We have a choice. We can take those as instructive or we can tear it apart and say, well, I don't like this page and this one says I should be nice to people who aren't nice to me and that's ridiculous. (laughs) We should finish well with an opener policy to the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking today as much as ever, addressing who we are through the Bible as he was when Paul presented to his friends. In fact, in, in a book called Second Timothy, this is Paul who wrote this to his friend Timothy, and we learned about Timothy last week. Timothy was a young man, and in this book, he says, all scripture is inspired by God. The word inspired by God means God breathed. This is the same as when, in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, it says that God formed us. And He took, so we were physically alive. But then He breathed life into us. Now we're spiritually alive. His spirit is now in us, inspired. The word inspired is inspirited. So when you're inspired by something, the spirit of whatever that is, is in you. And now it compels you. It pulls you toward your finish. It pulls you toward a destiny. That God, from the beginning of time, he put his, his spiritual breath of life into humanity. But because of sin, we've disconnected. And we're walking around physically alive but spiritually dead without Jesus Christ. And this says, all Scripture is inspired, it's the same breath of God, it's God-breathed. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. That there's something powerful about us having an open-door policy with the Holy Spirit to speak to us instructively, through the Bible, through Scripture. And when we read it, we go, oh, this is actually teaching us. Man, I don't know what's going wrong in my relationship. I don't know what's going on, and and so this is what we do. You know, I don't know what's going on with with my wife. I don't know what's going on with my boss. I don't know what's going on with my employees. I don't know what's going on with my teacher. And what we're doing is we're trying to figure out what's wrong with the other person. We're placing blame, pointing fingers. I'm the victim of the circumstances, what's going on. and And most of the time in my life, this is what happens. When I center myself on Jesus and the Holy Spirit speaking to me through scripture, God usually addresses me first and shows me that the reason why I perceive something's wrong is because there's something wrong inside of me. And God's like, hey Pat, like knocking on my head, you know, I have school of hard knocks, this guy, grew up kind of like a little bit tough. And I got to learn the hard way, you know? Like, God, you need to fix these people. God's like, man, you're projecting onto other people what needs to happen to you, Pat. You know, you should, you should teach them to respect me more. This was me. God's like, you're so disrespectful to other people. You don't even respect yourself, Pat. And what happens is we, when we redact, when we censor the word of God, we oftentimes will read scripture to prove our own point, to push our own narrative, or to back our own bias. And instead of doing so, I want to approach and say, Holy Spirit, my heart is completely open for you to dismantle my belief system, my thought process, and everything as it comes to this situation. I don't want to find scripture to back me. I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to take it at face value, and I want to obey whatever the instruction was. It's that simple. And this is the power of what Paul is saying to Timothy in this book, God uses the word of God through the Holy Spirit to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. In John 14, 26, this is Jesus speaking. And he says to his followers, but when Father sends the advocate... The advocate is the Holy Spirit. He says, when the Father sends, the Holy Spirit is my representative. Because Jesus dies on the cross. He overcomes death. He spends 40 days with his followers. And then he ascends. And he's waiting the day where he's going to come back. He's going to finish this off. Because Jesus finishes well. And so should the church. And he's like, in my absence, you're going to have something that's even better than me, he says. You're going to have the Holy Spirit. This representative, this advocate. And he says, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. Apart from the Holy Spirit, you and I. Listen, you can't be the friend you need to be. You can't be the The mother, the father, the son, the daughter, the uncle, the aunt, the worker, the student, the follower of Jesus. You can't do it on your own. And some of you are struggling right now because you're just like, man, I just don't have what it takes. I don't don't have enough. Like, I, I, I'm not enough to follow Jesus. G- I'm not enough to do, I'm not enough to be that parent. I'm not enough to be that friend. I'm not enough to be what I feel like. And, it, and, and there's this piece of, I think what's happening is the, the enemy is working on your heart and on my heart to try to convince us that, that we have to do something outside of ourselves. When we hear ordinary people doing extraordinary things, we think that you have to, you have to show up with something special. But the most special thing you can show up with is an open heart. What we need now more than ever, the church can and should finish well with an open-door policy to the Holy Spirit. The best thing, the most powerful, the most extraordinary thing that we can do is just show up with an open heart to say, Holy Spirit, would you just come in? Would you come like a flood? come like a fire. Would you rest on us? Would you fill us? We just sang this, you know. Would you, would you come and be my strength? Be my strategy? Be my confidence? Be my passion? Be my empathy? Be my compassion? Be my love? Be, be, be my grief? Be with me in my pain? Walk with me in my hurt? We, but I can't do it alone. And white-knuckling it, you can do anything for 90 days. That's why there's a 90-day period that someone will hire you and allow you to walk into it, right? Because they're like, at about 90 days, you can white-knuckle for about 90. And then about 90 days, you, you kind of start going, okay, this is like, I can't do this. Then, then you really figure out who you're dealing with. And some of you, and, and, and I can relate because I do this. How many of you get caught in cycles? Listen, I want to present to you that I'm not better than you. I'm just telling you my life story on a platform and you consider it teaching. Because I run to the end of myself routinely when I get to that place and I go, I'm not enough. And God goes, okay, we're back here again. Good. Are you willing to have an uncensored approach to who I am and allow the scripture to infuse life into you? And would you be able to walk with the Holy Spirit, Pat? Because you're right, you don't have what it takes to do it all on your own. Yes, Holy Spirit, yes. Sorry, I closed the door. And here today, we end where we began. Are you willing to open your heart and have an open door policy with the Holy Spirit to teach you and instruct you, to guide you? To comfort you some of us are really struggling because we're trying to find comfort in places that create chaos I think there's there's, there's a couple of you in the room I'm going to shift gears okay so I'm just not going to continue the rest of my message because I think this is what God wants to do right rely on the Holy Spirit, not Pat's nuts, okay? I get a sense that some of you maybe have been walking in your life, and you've been trying to find comfort in a lot of different ways, and on the surface, it seems like it's good and it's okay. Okay? But there's something that you're left unfulfilled by it. And God is calling you today, and He's saying, "You know, He—this is what I love about God. He always, like Paul, His door is always open. He never shuts the door on us. Today, you have an opportunity, maybe to step step into that doorway for the ten thousandth time. I don't know. Maybe the first time." But here's what I know. There's no comfort that you're going to find. You're not going to find comfort in a bottle. I've been there. You're not going to find comfort in a pill. I've been there too. You will not find comfort in the oversexualization of humanity. I've been there. You will not find comfort in trying to earn more money. I've been there. You will not find comfort in any device that you're attempting to numb the nagging feeling that there's more and it won't go away. That is the voice of God. That is the breath of life that he put in you. That is the spirit of God screaming inside of you, wanting to connect to your original design. There is, a, there is a person in you that God created you to be that may not look like what you see in the mirror today. But God has a purpose and a plan and an original design for you. Humanity is chasing itself like a dog chasing its tail right now. We find our greatest displeasure in humanity, but yet we keep pressing that our greatest pleasure should come from our own humanity. Do do you see how disconnected that logic is? We need Jesus. Every day. I need Jesus. Every day. Why don't you stand with me? What Paul did at the very end of the book of Acts is he welcomed, said anybody who came to visit him, that some of you God is calling you to him, and some of you, God is actually calling you to keep your door open to others. It's This is strange, but I think, I think this is a true statement. <laughs> I think, Haley, this is a true statement. This, that's a dangerous precursor, isn't it? Okay. I think by keeping an open-door policy with others... Like Paul did to talk to them about the goodness of the kingdom of God and Jesus as your Messiah and Savior helps you keep an open door policy and rely on the Holy Spirit. Because you're engaging in something that you can, like, it is 100% without a doubt beyond what you can do on your own. I can't live like Paul lived. He said, everyone who came to visit him, he basically welcomed. (laughs) He's like, yeah, come on in. When people knock on your door, what do you do? I'll tell you what I do A, ignore them. B, look through the peephole, see who it is, and decide whether I want to ignore them. C, look through the peephole open the door and look somewhat agitated that someone would come and visit me in my house. Are you with me? This is like extremely difficult what Paul is presenting, but he's presenting to us. This isn't like a, um, a prescription. He's just saying, hey, would your heart be postured in a way that would be open to the Holy Spirit moving so much so that your heart is open to seeing the Holy Spirit move in other people's lives? And, just, and do it with a confidence so much so that, it's that his door is always open. Our goal here at the Movement Church is that our door would always be open. And we don't have to rely on anything special. Paul didn't have to rely on anything special. He wasn't catering his house every single day just in case people came. He wasn't stressed out and yelling at everyone in the house because the house wasn't clean and it needed to be put in perfect order, right? Because that's just we we want everything in perfect order because we don't want to shame. We don't want to look bad in front of people. It's like, okay, I'm not saying not keep a clean house. It's not what I'm saying, but are you following me? This is very simple. He just kept the door open and he said, whatever ordinary life I'm living, if I invite you into it, It's extraordinary because I'm gonna welcome you into my ordinary. And I wanna share with you something. And what did he do? He presented what? The kingdom of God, the matters of the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, we need one thing. We need to hear about the kingdom of God. It needs to be centered on Jesus. And we have to be able to do it with an open door to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Let's close our eyes. Father, today, we have an opportunity to finish well. We're not done today. We got work to do. but We have an opportunity to finish well. We have an opportunity to stand, to sit, to lay wherever you're at, whatever posture you're taking. We have an opportunity to finish well in life the day we take our last breath that we would have an open door to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through us. For those of you who are feeling overwhelmed right now, that's literally the word that I got, overwhelmed. I feel like some of you are overwhelmed. You're barely hanging on. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to see you. I want to pray for you. If you're feeling overwhelmed, come on. It may feel like anxiety. It may feel like your heart seems to be racing lately. Hey, if you sigh a lot and take a lot of deep breaths, you're overwhelmed. Amen. Yeah. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> hey, ministry team, let's go catch some people. We're just going to have some people if they come around and they lay their hand on you. I feel like today, God God wanted to bring peace to you um, to calm your racing mind. Some of you have some things coming up in the near future. Um, Some of you have like, um, I want to use the word deadlines. Maybe it's for work or you have something that's happening that has like an end mark, and you're thinking a lot about everything being in order and everything being right, and you don't know, when I said this idea of you don't, you don't know if you're enough, some of you are really struggling with, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I have, I don't know if I have everything in order, if I have what it takes, I don't know, and you're, you're dealing with that struggle, and this timeline can't be moved, this timeline is set, it is what it is. And you're struggling with this and you're feeling the pressure of it. And I just feel like the Lord wanted to bring peace today and he wanted to settle your, settle your spirit and settle your mind and settle your heart today. And so um, I just, I, I, wanna, I wanna release that. If that's anyone in the room, um, I would encourage you, strongly encourage you. We'll have some minister team up here in the next few minutes and uh, they'll be ready and willing to pray for you. I think it's important. my promise to you as a church is that we are going to do our very best to finish well to end where we began and always have an open door policy to the Holy Spirit keeping Jesus at the center and taking healthy instruction from the word of God through scripture and we always want to see this open door policy with other people So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for ministering to the hearts of individuals in the room right now that are being ministered to. Lots of tears. Lots of evidence that God's doing something. You're never too far gone. You're never too far gone. For the hand of God. So God, as we walk out of here, that we would we would walk out with just this willingness to say we're open. That we would take the red pen of censorship that we use sometimes on the things around us and we would stop using it on ourselves. Some of you are disqualifying yourselves. You literally go through your own life, your own mind. You go through things and you disqualify yourself. You you take like a red pen and you you strike out all the different parts of your life, all the things. You say like, oh, nope, I, I, I don't add up because of this. I don't add up because of that. And you're striking things against yourself. You're using this red pen on yourself. And God says today that You don't have to do that. He sees you. He sees all of you. Let him him deal with all that. But we're not going to continue to walk around with a red pen of censorship any longer. We just want the fullness of what God has for us. We thank you. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said amen and amen.